You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your host, Evan. A stubborn guy, but brilliant, highly intelligent, eccentric, quite true. But the image of his being some kind of a dumbbell is, is absolutely wrong. guys, this is Evan with The Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than podcasting with someone you've always wanted to podcast with but never podcasted with before, so this is their first official podcast, and we'll talk about that later. But first, I want to thank Stitcher and Podbean for hosting us. I also want to thank, uh, well, I want to mention that we're on the Tangent Bound Network, and thank you for them for having us. Our own podcast at the time of this recording is actually uh, down our podcast site, beardedpodsnetwork.com. Uh, we got to do a little bit of retooling and get it back up. But if you want to check out the other podcasts on our network, that would be the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast and Teddy and the Baseman. You can check out their own pod beans. Uh, of course, now my cat would decide to start going crazy and scratching up the couch. <laughs> anyway, um, and if you want to email us, lucky10,000 at Gmail. And our Twitter is lucky underscore 10K. Our Facebook group page, Lucky 10,000, and we are in the middle of recording season three of the Lucky 10,000 about unsolved mysteries. And one of the great pleasures of this season has been getting to podcast with people that I always knew would do a good job, but never had an official reason to have them on. But I think when people find something they're passionate about and want to talk about it, that's when it's a really fun easy conversation and so that's why so many people i talk to everyone has an unsolved mystery that they're sort of entranced and fascinated by so it's really fun to talk to people when they're passionate about that and everyone i've chosen to do this season uh i've i'm friends with have been friends with for a long time or maybe in some cases just met except for the person on the show today i hate <laughs> her guts no i'm kidding uh, so my friend that i've known for what 20 years at this point yeah yeah uh, Tiffany Nave Stewart, no relative of Patrick Stewart, I don't think, uh, is a local actress, phenomenally talented person, uh, also uh, just stunningly gorgeous, and very smart and very passionate and, and rolling her eyes as I say that right now, but also a great talker. We've Whenever we've hung out, we've always had fantastic conversations, and this is only going to add to that. Tiffany, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, I'm so happy that you invited me. Of course I did. How could I not? And tell the the public a little bit about yourself. You've been an actor in Greenville for, well, Greenville and New York for a long time. But yeah. Um, gosh, just, I grew up here, and then I moved, I moved to Chicago to study at mm -hmm. DePaul. And then I came back here for a while, moved to New York for a while. And yeah, so, and then came back, moved away again, yeah. came back again. Yeah. So, in and out. And yeah, I was trying to get involved in theater when I'm here. And unfortunately, I don't think this episode will go up before the show is over, but you are in Beehive right now at the Milltown Players. And you're playing Janice Joplin. What's that like? Oh. Kind yeah. of a dream come true, right? Because oh, that's right up your alley. Oh, well, yeah. But, um, you know, I played her before and I, 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 so, I, have been in five or six bands and yeah, it's always that kind of music, that kind of rock and roll mm -hmm. kind of like, but that's the other thing. You're a great like, female rock singer. Oh, um, I've seen your bands perform. You're very good because you, you know, you, you, you have a good singing voice and you can do like the belty theater stuff. <laughs> but if there's one thing that I noticed most theater people have a problem with, it's translating that to rock music. And you do that very oh, well. 
thank you, thank you. Because I think you've got it in your honest heart and soul. (laughs) I think the problem is when people sing rock music, they just, like, I I love telling a story. A few years ago, I was watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, Mm -hmm. and they had some of the cast from American Idiot do a song. Ooh. No? No. No. Well, my issue with it was the fact that they were singing Green Day. And yes, Green Day is pop punk. However, there's some grittiness and there's some oh, anger yeah. there. Thanks. They were doing, we're doing musical theater, American oh, Idiot. Oh. Don't want to be an American Idiot. Yeah. Oh, no. And so I think well, a lot of times. Good grief, win the world. I don't know. But oh. I think they were trying to make it more uh, pleasing to the masses. But it's also, you know, I've heard a couple of songs off the new uh, Broadway Hedwig tour with Neil Patrick Harris, and I'm just like, I love Neil Patrick Harris, but there's something dirty about it that's missing. It's too polished. It's too Broadway. And that's what I think a lot of theater people, when they do, I've I've been to enough karaoke and seen enough (laughs) theater people doing rock songs to know, like, you've got a phenomenal voice, but especially since a lot of theater people are worried about hurting their voice because they don't know how to sing rock and roll, if they don't want to go guttural and gritty with it, which I understand you don't want to hurt your vocal cords, but you, you've always done a very good job of having like a soul to it while also being an excellent singer. So enough of kissing that ass. <laughs> yeah, my ass is all flying now. <laughs> Thanks for Let's talk about death. Let's do so it. when I approached certain people about the subjects they wanted to talk about, you were the person, the first person actually, person. to immediately go Black Dahlia. Yeah. Black Dahlia, Black Dahlia, You're like, Black Dahlia. Like, my hand was over the buzzer, like, <laughs> waiting for you to ask me. I was like, he's going to ask me about the unsolved mysteries in which I know it's going to be. It's going to be Black Dahlia, yes. So you have done a ton of research. And normally I do about as much research as yeah. the person that I'm talking to. However, I got to admit, this week's been very busy. <laughs> I'm trying to get all the schedules to work out and doing my own stuff. You're the producer. I'm the producer. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to do a ton of research. Now, I have... My thing is, like, I don't read well. I can't focus. Yeah. So I go to documentaries and things like that. YouTube yes. is awash with documentaries, and uh, some of them are great. Even, like, the self-produced, like, guy in his bedroom that just thinks things are fascinating. <laughs> some of those are really good. They are. They uh, are. Some of them? <laughs> Not, so much. Not so much. And those are the ones we'll talk about later because once we get into the theory section, mm-hmm. I've oh, noticed something that yes. keeps popping up in every one of these unsolved mysteries that I would like to mention and get out of the way very quickly yes. um, and to get to the real shit. But so tell me first, do you remember when the Black Dahlia came into your sphere? Like when did you yes, first hear yes, about yes, it? Yes, I do. I, I want to say there was like a TV movie. Now, uh-huh. this was a very long time ago. Yeah. I mean, this could have been, like, the 80s. I didn't look it up, actually. I should have looked it up, but I didn't look it up. Um, But I remember that. I remember, like, hearing the words, The Black Dahlia. Uh-huh. And then later, there was, a there was like, a real movie later. Um, And then that's when I really was like, oh, yeah, that's that same, like, made-for-TV okay. thing I saw, like, you know. Did it freak you out? You must have been pretty young. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't. I don't think I could watch it all because I yeah. remember a late, you know, I can remember, I remember the girl, the only thing in my young mind is I remember the girl and she uh-huh. had like black, black hair, yeah. she had this flower in her hair. And then, but then like later when I, when the real, like early 2000s, when mm. the like movie movie came out, um, I was again fascinated with it, but I looked up, you know, they didn't get all the things right. They left sure. things out. They... Put, they, they always have yeah, to. Yeah, make things seem like make it a narrative. more important than yeah. it was. 
And so I did. That's why I think the first time that I like started reading about yeah. it. So that would be like. So you've been fascinated with it for a long time. At least maybe 12 or 13 years. See, whatever now, I'm giving you the platform to talk about it, Tiffany. Oh you're gosh, welcome. But it's interesting you. that you were so freaked out by it because we just spent a half an hour before we started recording talking about Stephen King. Which I and love. And you were not. Oh, I love Stephen King, too, but you were not really phased by it. I mean, obviously, there's shit that's creepy, but this is – and this is the tightrope walk we're going to be doing in this episode is obviously there's a fascination with it, just like there's a fascination with Jack the Ripper, just like there's a fascination with every unsolved murder case. But then you don't want it to just be this fun, like, isn't this fun? This woman got disemboweled. Yeah. This is great. But there is a fascination with this sort of thing, and I think the human brain is 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 – made to find patterns and to find answers to things it's oh, yeah. part of our evolution is you know we I have to be able to answer the unknown in order to survive you can't look at something like like these gruesome murders right. and you don't look at it and just be like oh gruesome murders right. you have to ask the question why what in the world made this person do that and it also is such an interesting conversation about human psychology in mm -hmm. general i think one of the reasons jack the ripper is so fascinating until you see the pictures of his victims, it's easy to make fun of it and to make oh, light yeah. of it. Until you see Mary Kelly, the last victim, oh, God. and how awful he was to her. Yeah. It, it makes you want to put a human face on it and understand how someone could do that. Yeah, what, what drove you or why did you think you had to or what made you want to? Like, right, exactly. You ask the question because I think as a human, you look at that and be like, I could never. No, never. I was just talking about this with someone the other day is that, you know, I, uh, as, as are you, a big fan of horror movies. And there's something to a horror movie. I'll admit, I'm totally desensitized to horror movies. Right. I can see all kinds of gore and awful stuff happening Ooh, to people in a horror movie. <laughs> I can. You know, you can watch Evil Dead 2. It's oh, well, gore like everywhere. <laughs> but it's so fun. Yes, Evil there's, Dead. There's never yes. the sense of real suffering. No. However, I know people that have watched terrorist beheading videos and no. I just go, why, why would you want to see that? I don't want to see real mm -mm. death. I don't want to see real dismemberment. Mm -mm. So this is just this dark corner of the human psyche. It is. So it is. we'll give you a little bit of a preface. If you don't know that much about the black Dahlia, I'll start with the basics because you know so much more than me. We're going to throw <laughs> this a lot over to you, Okay. but the black Dahlia is a nickname for a woman named Elizabeth short. She was born July 29th, 1924 and died in January of 1947, known posthumously, this is from Wikipedia, as the Black Dahlia. She was a, she was an actress? Aspiring. Aspiring yeah. actress? Mostly she was a husband hunter. Okay, well, let's yeah. get into it then, because the, 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 the mystery surrounding her, and no spoilers necessary, that's what it's all about. She was found brutally murdered. Mm -hmm. Just brutally murdered. No one knows who no one even knows where because her body was obviously transported because there wasn't blood everywhere when they found it. Mm -hmm. But not only was she cut in half, she had a smile carved into her face. Like the Joker, like right. real life. And we are not necessarily trying to make light of it. It was a terrible thing. It was an awful thing for her and her family, I'm sure. Uh, if we joke about anything, it's not going to be that we're trying to be disrespectful. But there is this fascination and we're not also putting the person that did it on a pedestal. Mm -mm. It's it's a mystery how someone could be that messed up. Yeah. And you found a connection to something else that I'm fascinated by that we'll get to later. Yeah. Not saying what. But so that's the basics. She went out to California, dreamed of becoming an actress. Yes. What happened to her then? What was her life like? She um, 
You know, when she first got there, she was pretty clear, like, to all the men that she met, because she's a gorgeous, dark-haired beauty, Mm -hmm. dusky, like, beautiful eyes, a gorgeous smile. Kind of reminds me of uh, Andy McDowell a little. Oh, yeah. That's a good comparison. Just a dark, beautiful woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and very nice figure, Mm -hmm. you know, for the time. And um, at first, you know, she got a job on an army base, or maybe the Air Force. I'm sorry. That's okay. (laughs) It was maybe the Air Force. Um, But she got a job, um, you know, on a military base. Okay. And she was, oh my gosh, they loved her. Of course they did. They thought she was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But when it got around that she was like, not easy, not fast, and oh, okay. definitely looking for a husband. Yeah, she did not get any dates, and she and that's funny. That's it's kind of tragic how rare that is. That story is mm-hmm. usually you hear about actresses that go out there and feel like they have to slut themselves around. Not that I'm slut shaming, but if you don't want to be extremely sexually active, but you feel like you have to be yeah. in order to get a job, that's the tragedy. If you're being sexually, you know, active of your own volition and you're completely aware of it. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the horror stories about Hollywood, especially in that era, yeah. were attractive women go out there, they're promised the world if they do certain things. And they do it even though they don't want to. She does not sound like that kind of person at all. She didn't start out that way. Ah. Um, but this would be this would be just purely me with the research that I've done, sure. how I interpret what Well, and what to we her. like to say, if you know a lot about this and we're getting something wrong, we do not mind getting an email oh, correcting yeah. Come us. Come on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Um, but what my interpretation of when people describe what she was like and the, the timeline of sort of how she was at this point and uh-huh. how she was at that point, she became a nightclub woman. Okay. Okay. Because she experienced, I think, because she experienced these few months where she didn't get the time of day from these servicemen because yeah. she wasn't, she was. I see. Known to not be. She was really trying girl. to be chased. Yeah. And then when she realized that wasn't getting her anywhere. And she did actually meet someone, and they became engaged, and then he was deployed. Uh, and so then all this world that she had kind of – and this was important to her. Like, it's all she ever talked about yeah. as a young woman, that she was going to go to Hollywood, pursue her acting dream, and find herself a serviceman. That was, was she in any movies? No. No. She was on some um, – she was on a – she's in a film of some guys on DJ Day. She's in a car, and she's what's VJ Day? Um, um, you know, uh, Victory. Oh, God. oh, oh, oh. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's it for? It stands for something. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up real fast, yeah. Devin. So I um, will Google it while you're talking. <laughs> she was VJ Day, whatever that stands for, because we're 20th century kids, <laughs> late 20th century kids, children of the 80s. She. <laughs> She's in a car and, and all these Victory over Japan day. There we go. There we go. Sense. There we go. VJ day. Not you got to be careful. V day. <laughs> you got to be careful about how you say that too. It oh. almost sounds like VJ day sometimes. Oh, the, Which the, is a holiday I would celebrate all VJ the time. VJ day. So she is in a car kissing servicemen. They're, they're just like a car full of girls. Um, it's a parade, you know, and she's just there. And she, I think she had started to be connected. She had started to hang out with some nightclub owners. Uh-huh. And those are all guys connected to the film. Right. You know, producers and directors. Or say they are anyway. <laughs> or at least say they are, yes. She was going back and forth kind of between San Diego and L.A. Okay. She had friends in one place. She would, be, she would go and stay. She was just kind of couch hopping around Hollywood mm-hmm. and L.A. And she ends up staying with this nightclub manager named Mark Hansen okay. and his girlfriend. Okay? okay. So it's not anything weird. Sure. She's literally sleeping on the couch. She's a nice girl. She's still kind of a nice girl. Right. 
So, um, she stays with this man and his girlfriend for, oh, probably six or seven months out okay. of a year. This would be, this would be, this is 1946. Okay. She so it's a year before she died. Yeah. Okay. She um, starts to take a turn for the worst, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, Drugs, alcohol? Um, Alcohol, I think, is most... She didn't really have a... It was more like this going out and picking up men problem. Oh, okay. that You know, and she frequented nightclubs. You can imagine she drank. Sure. I mean, there, I don't think I read anything that she had a drinking problem, but, um, you know, but she had gentlemen callers sure. a lot. As and, Amanda would say, yes. gentlemen callers. So basically, you know, months go by. Um, she's just a nightclub girl. She's known to be Betty or Beth. Beth, you know, she's she's still looking for her handsome shiny knight mm-hmm. in armor. You know, still getting like um, dolled up. And she, you know, um, she had a, a very specific style. Mm-hmm. People remarked on how she constantly wore these black suits mm-hmm. with this sheer black. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of Betty Page in her, too. Oh, yes. I think because she's so dark. Her yeah. hair is so dark. And then those supposedly had brilliant blue eyes yeah. and gre- blue-green eyes. I'm sorry. And um, just, like, beautiful skin and just a gorgeous – except for her bottom teeth. is like <laughs> bad bottom teeth. Yeah, oh, yeah. really? That's what you're going to pick on. <laughs> okay. So hey, look, Jules' crooked teeth just makes her cuter as far as I'm know, concerned. Why did she get him fixed? What's the one in the She did? She oh, got God him fixed, Alvon. What's wrong with you, Jules? I don't know. So, um, basically, okay, so she's she's um, she's um trying to meet up with some people. This is this would be, what is this? I need to go to my timeline now. That's okay. Let me just flip through my pages. Man, you look like you're researching for an essay. You're good at this. Uh, well, I probably should have committed more to memory because, seriously... I don't know any of this by heart. It's all good. <laughs> but the point is, on January 8th. Okay, so, okay, let me get it back over here. She's living in San, San Diego at this time. Uh-huh. And this is, like, end of the year 1946. And um, she met a girl that she, you know, had things in common with um, and moved in with her, and they were staying together. Well, um, she, for some reason, she became agitated. Um, she was not... No one really knows why, um, but she became agitated. She needed to get to L.A. to meet with her married sister at the Biltmore Hotel. So she has her friend, Robert Ridd Manley, pick her up at her friend's house there and take her to the hotel. Now, so this makes him the last one to see her alive. Okay. Okay. What's his name again? Red Manley. Red Manley. Robert Red Manley. Yeah. And they have been friends. That's the name of a guy who has a gravelly voice and runs a bar and don't take no shit. I'm red man. (laughs) So he went off and did his business, you know, and like, like waved her by from the car and she Mm -hmm. walked in and starts making phone calls and is to the staff at the hotel agitated, Mm -hmm. you know, about something. And there's a statement that red made because you see, he was the first person they picked up. Basically when this body was found, Uh they were like, call everybody, arrest everybody. Somebody's gonna like swing for this one. This Absolutely, cannot go. Where um, was the body found? Well, do you remember? Yes, it's in Leifert. It was in Leifert Park, um, in a which was a vacant lot. See, back okay in the mid forties, everybody had been developing all these great neighborhoods in Hollywood in the uh, late thirties, and then the war broke out. They had to stop, and so you had all these kind of half skeletal 
lots. Okay. With, you know, yeah. skeletal remains of things in them. Um, and, and so the work was slow to start up again on the development of L.A. And so there's all these vacant lots. Basically, uh, a woman is walking her young child just down oh, the street boy. one morning. And they're on the sidewalk. And mm-hmm. I can't remember the, what is the name of that road? Oh, God. See what I'm talking about? Dead girl here Dead road. Dead girl lane. <laughs> uh, it's Leafert Park on some street. Anyway. <laughs> Can you imagine being that kid? You're known the rest of your life as the kid that found yeah. the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Your mom, okay, you say, yeah, the mom is walking the kid. And she catches a glimpse of this thing in the grass. At first, she thinks it's a discarded store mannequin. Right, because she was so drained of blood and pale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was in two pieces, and it, the arms and legs were all wumpy jaw, yeah. you know, just totally askew. And she, as they got closer, she saw that this was a naked, real woman, mm-hmm. all cut up, and she just took off running to the first household, you know, in the other direction, ran inside, and, the, and called the police, and the drama began from there. Right. So, uh, you know, when the police saw the condition of the body, you know, that's what made this so insati- sensational is because, like, that murder happened. It's just so behind. brutal. Yeah. They they immediately were like, okay, this killer knows this girl. Mm-hmm. He's got a vendetta. He's mm-hmm. seeking revenge. I mean, like, if you want to know the real gruesome details of really what parts of her body things that just weird things. Yeah. Pieces of her hair are gone. Pieces of the side of her breast gone. She was made to eat feces. She was made to uh, eat hair that was cut from her body. Um, so you think she was tortured before she, she was killed? Oh, gosh, yes. She was tortured. And then the weird thing is that most of the carving on her was done after she was dead. Right. What she died from was being just severely beaten Bludgeoned, yeah. in the head. And, and she was forced to eat. All manner of strange I didn't items. Know that part. I know that's something they don't talk about, and they certainly didn't put it in the papers. No, you know, at the time. Um, but all the things that they would say about her, about she was a um, a prostitute and she was, uh, you know, pregnant. And she, you know, this stuff is was never the case. Mm-hmm. That's just the, like, oh, oh, this also created like one of the first like like media entanglements. Yeah, with the police department and all the corruption. This whole case. Ended up revealing deep police corruption. Uh, and I think that's the reason it's not, it's not well, really going to be solved. There is something that I have noticed in a lot of cases like this. Mm-hmm. Going back to Jack the Ripper, <laughs> and we'll go ahead and say it. There is uh, uh, perhaps a connection to the Zodiac in this case. The Zodiac Killer something I'm very fascinated by. In fact, I've been trying to get as part of this season, an episode about the Zodiac. And so far, no one's bitten. One person was, but they had to cancel. And I was just like, who doesn't want to talk about the Zodiac? (laughs) But I think even in Victorian England, Mm -hmm. and to be fair, the detectives in the Jack the Ripper case were probably the least corrupt of any serial killer (laughs) mystery. But there's always this element of disorganization. There's always this element of precincts not communicating or corruption or something. Somebody fucking up somehow, somewhere that you just, especially when you get into the modern era, the big mystery about the Zodiac is how could it have not been solved? It was the 70s. Yeah, we were still a few years away from certain forensic leaps 
But still, this is the modern era. How does someone not get caught when you murder so many people so blatantly? And this is apparently the same type thing. If the police in this case had just been a little more on top of it, maybe we could have found the guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, they had so many suspects, too. And they actually had almost 60 people confess to this crime. That's the other thing, though. And they were none of them real people. That's one of the things that makes this, I think, real hard, too, is the psychosis of fame. Oh, my god. The psychosis of – and the same thing happened in Jack the Ripper. Same thing happened in Zodiac. This person – I do know that the whoever the Black Dahlia killer was did start doing that thing where they start sending letters to newspapers and the police. And in this case, they were able to verify that at least one of those letters must have been the real killer because he had – he sent – Evidence, just like the Zodiac sent evidence. But then you get all the fake letters. Then you get all the people who just want want to be known. (laughs) They want to be famous so bad they're willing to say that they killed someone. That's a mental illness almost as bad. And those people don't help anyone. It's all about them and and being renowned somehow because their lives are so empty. They want to be famous for something. They'd be willing to be considered a suspect in a serial killer case. Hey guys, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And if you're enjoying listening to The Lucky 10,000, then come on over to a podcast where nobody's ever getting lucky, ever. Here on The Lucky 10,000, you're here to learn, but with the bearded ones, we're here to make you laugh. And and maybe you'll learn something while you're laughing. Yeah, learn something, like, about Batman. <laughs> I mean, for a, we were on a stint of Matlock for a while. I, it was funny to me. <laughs> hey, I mean, I do it. Eh? <laughs> yeah, that's not how you sell it. Come anything. on over listen to the one podcast, I guess. I yeah. Mean, I, I like it. I'd be a shit salesman. <laughs> um, Come buy this car. I mean, I drove it once. Yeah, well, probably would, you probably wouldn't like Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to. You know Fuck this. Don't listen to Bearded One. <laughs> Come on. Check us out. Bearded One's comedy podcast on the Bearded Pods Network. I knew that. I didn't know that. Well, that's why we're here, listening to the Lucky 10,000s. You learn something new with every episode. And while you're here at the Bearded Pods Network, you might want to come and give us some pod love. We're Teddy and the Bassman. We cover all sorts of subjects, speak with tons of interesting guests, and entertain you with a melange of vintage commercials and jingles, and a whole plethora of eclectic music. You might even learn something from us as well. It'll probably be about bondage, but... Teddy and the Bassman. Now, who are the main real suspects? The real suspects by the time... By say... By... Okay. A grand jury was convened in 49 because uh-huh. people were still like, why can't you solve this? Right. All right. There's too much, you know, time has passed and... and why hasn't this happened? So this grand jury is convened in okay. 1949. And by this time, they had eliminated like 160 suspects yeah. or something. So they had t- these 22 main people. Mm-hmm. Um, this grand jury is convened. Everybody at the highest level is fired. Okay. The police chief is fired. The, right. the head of detectives, I think, uh, don't quote me on that. But there's a few key players that are fired because it is revealed that there is just rampant, just rampant corruption right. in the police department. And evidence has gone missing. And, you know, um, um, oh my gosh, the original letter that the, the one that you're talking about, mm-hmm. that, that they don't have that anymore. What? Yeah, it's gone. They used to have the shawl that fucking Catherine Eddowes was killed with Ugh. from Jack the Ripper, and they don't have the letter they don't with have the Black the Dahlia letter. killers? Oh There's so God. much evidence in this case that is gone. And do you know, I'm, I know we haven't gotten to it yet, <laughs> but like, 
they did wiretapping on people uh-huh. and that in which they pretty much say they did it. Now, what would be the reason for the corruption? Like, how did the corruption affect this investigation? Was it someone possibly inside the force or someone that someone knew and okay. they wanted to protect them? couple prongs then. Some of the suspects. Okay, so there's 22 suspects. Okay. But we really probably don't have time to go over all of them. <laughs> no, there's really just three main ones. Right. One of them I've talked about. His okay. the nightclub owner that yes. she stayed with. Okay. Red gentle, Manly. Gentle giant. Not Red Manly. He's just a friend. Okay. But he was the first one arrested. Okay. And he got out clean because he passed two lie detector tests and his alibi was solid. Okay. So, but before that, he revealed a lot of information that made him seem like he was the killer. Oh, what was his name so- again? Red Manley. No, oh, I'm sorry. The the nightclub owner. The nightclub owner was never arrested, but he was a prime suspect. His okay. name was Mark Hansen. So Red Manley's cleared. Yeah. Mark Hansen, nightclub owner. Yeah. Guy that she hung out with was she was she the guy that she roomed with for a little while with yes. him and his girlfriend okay and his girlfriend and he made a pass at her rumored to have made a pass at her and she rebuffed him blah 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 well that so, happens to believe me <laughs> that happens to every guy yes all the time yes so he turns out to be kind of this gentle giant never harmed a woman yeah. before but he connects elizabeth short to this doctor uh-huh. okay now remember the woman is found dead when she's mm-hmm. found she's found bisected and they did yeah they said and with surgical all, precision all blood drained yeah. her blood which you gotta know how to do something yes. like that <laughs> okay you don't just like cut somebody and expect them to drain there's a I mean you do it. but boy I learned my lesson <laughs> do you Ugh. have a swing set handy <laughs> so um the where was I oh yeah so so she, so Mark introduces her to this doctor okay Doctor, I have to refer to my notes because O'Reilly is his last name, but he's got a first name, I'm pretty sure. Doctor. <laughs> oh, and that, and so that's why they thought that it was a doctor. I'm totally nearsighted. I oh, Patrick it. O'Reilly. Okay. Dr. Patrick Good O'Reilly. Good Pat O'Reilly. Yes. Now, Patrick was, had already um, been arrested for beating his secretary okay. almost to death in a hotel so Patrick room. Patrick O'Reilly is a doctor, friends with Mark Hansen, Mark Hansen. Who is introduced, has introduced them, you know, to Does he become show. a suspect, O'Reilly? Yeah, he's a suspect because of his history of right. violence towards women. Also, he has had part of his pectoral muscle removed on the exact side where part of Black Dahlia's pectoral what? was cut away. Yeah. That's crazy. So they were like, mm, this could be, this could be, because he's a violent man. He's uh-huh. already half, almost killed his secretary. Now, what is his motivation, they think? Because his yeah. friend was rejected? That this he just is snapped? Where the, this is where this case, this is where this suspect, for me, loses, yeah. loses any kind of, um, you know, allure as far as being really the guy. I mean, I suppose it's possible if he's just psychotic. Who doesn't need a reason yeah. to do that to someone. All he would have to do is meet her and decide he wanted to do it. Yeah. But... You'd think a guy like that, I don't know, you'd have to have more patterns. Mm-hmm. So he's never, he's never does it again. Whatever violent right. thing he did, he never does it again. If you're willing to do that to someone, yeah. you've probably done it more than once. Exactly. And that's, that's another thing about this case is the LAPD has been over time and during this grand jury uh, um, investigation in 1949, they were so adamant that it was only one killer. I mean, not only one killer, that it was only one kill that it was right. only one murder right that this not a, it's not a pattern but even even but the i think that was coming from the corrupt cop yeah because it's hard to believe that someone that would do that i mean the patterns that are similar are just the brutality yeah 
this is someone in typical sort of serial killer M.O., who had something against women and wanted to hurt them. Yeah. You know, I know a decent amount about Zodiac and one of the the through lines in his murders was that the women were more savagely attacked than the men in just about every case. He only managed the first couple he attacked uh, in Lake Herman Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, he killed both of them. But then the second attack in uh, Blue Rock Springs, uh, he killed only the woman. Uh, he shot the guy, right, right. But, but didn't kill him. And then the Lake Berryessa attack, which was probably his most savage, uh, the guy survived. The woman was stabbed more than him, so she died. And there's the same pattern with Jack the Ripper. It's not just a kill for fun. It's Mm-mm. a kill because it's a sexual thing. You know, you're penetrating their bodies, but also there's this overall just hatred and that. anger that permeates it. And for someone to do that to her body, it can't just be... I'm going to do this one time and never think about it Right, and never have it again. So let me bring your attention now to suspect number three. Yay. This is the guy that, um, it's theorized, Uh has also done these other unsolved murders. You think this might be the Zodiac guy? This might be the Zodiac guy. So if he did this in 47, the Zodiac murders started in 69, I think? I want to say it was a little earlier than that, but I could be wrong. It was late 60s through the early 70s when he was getting, when he was sending letters and stuff, which is not out of the realm and of you possibility. you got to look at the one surviving photograph of the Dahlia letter. It looks like a Zodiac mm-hmm. letter. Okay. I mean, that same block, kind of some capital, some not, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, one of the composite drawings in the, I think it was sometime in the 70s, there's three composite drawings that they think are the Zodiac. Uh-huh. Um... And I can't remember the name, but that they, the third one especially, which uh-huh. is like a sort of a middle age, like maybe 50 something year old man, looks just like this guy. Looks just like George Hodel. Oh, so that's his name. That's his name, George Hodel. Tell, tell me about him. George Hodel. Hodel. Okay, now get this. Here, he does sound like a character in a Tennessee Williams play. This guy, I'll go down the road and see George Hodel. This guy is born into privilege. Okay. He is a prodigy. A piano concert player at like age eight or something. Okay. An IQ of 186. Wow. Gets into, um, was it UCLA or one of those freaking things? Um, is it the UCLA medical school? He gets into some, some like at fifth, at age 15, he's already in college. Mm -hmm. First year impregnates the headmasters or, um, he impregnates her at age 15, and the sexuality stuff just goes on and on. Okay, where is it? Ah, here we go. The suspects! Hi, 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 George Odell! Oh. I, do, I don't have the sheet of paper where it says <laughs> what school he was going to when he impregnated. Either way. Oh, either way. He was expelled. So he goes through the series of, like, he's a genius, and he mm-hmm. goes through the series of occupations. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the guy ends up being of some note. Okay. He ends up being a physician in LA, one of the sort one of the leaders in venereal disease mm-hmm. treatment. So he's like the county venereal disease guy. Yeah. Okay. Um he's also friends with Man Ray, the surrealist artist. Oh, okay. He has bought into the surrealist philosophy along with his wife Dorothy, who was first married to John Houston. Yes, the John Houston. Oh. Interesting. And they divorced before they had children, and then she married this George Hodel guy. 
And Hodel had so much money, he lived on Franklin Avenue in Hollywood in the Frank Lloyd Wright Mayan Temple home, which is a famous home. And this house that they lived in, um, they had huge parties, mm-hmm. you know, all the like people of the time came. He was very popular. Mm-hmm. Tons of money. Mm-hmm. All right. So 1949 rolls around. Remember, the police are being investigated for corruption spawned by this black diet issue. 1949, he is arrested for raping his 14-year-old daughter who was 11 at the time. So 11, 12, 13. So for three years, he rapes his daughter. Her statement, combined with three eyewitness adults, okay, not just people, but people that had also had sex with her, okay? Uh So this was a thing. And he is interviewed as saying that he and his daughter began to explore sex at age 11. And he attributes this to their belief system and surrealism that everything is a dream Mm -hmm. and that none of it is real. And we're all just, we just need to do what we're interesting how many cult leaders, their whole cult, the way they get people to follow them revolves around justifying having sex with as many of them as they possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he, so despite, okay, so it's 1949. Uh Uh-huh. He's raped his daughter. Uh-huh. There's three other people. I, I don't know if they're men or women, but who also participated in this sex with this 13 and 14 year old girl God. who testify in a court. And guess what? He's acquitted. How much money do you think it cost? Mm. Okay. So he's got police in his pocket. Yes. We know that. When this case comes up at the same, because it's at the same time as this grand jury mm-hmm. inqu- inquiry, they're like, that guy. Get that guy. He's a doctor. He's the profile. He's, you know, into weird sex. He's yeah. a surrealist. It, it, it matches it their all profile. It all matches, yeah. Because you had the LAPD and you have the FBI on this, too. There's two but sets at this of point, files going all on. circumstantial. All circumstantial. So they start surveilling his home. Not his telephones. Just they've put microphones in, his, in this Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright famous house. They okay. put microphones in it. And I, I have to tell you that this... The transcript of the surveillance did not come to light until the 2000s. Holy shit. It was buried by the LAPD. They took it away. It was owned by the DA. The DA had the had the transcript. They were supposed to prosecute this guy. Mm-hmm. It was known wide and far in the DA's office that the, the, the perpetrator of the Black Dahlia murder was the doctor that lives on Franklin Avenue, known to them all. But the case is too hot. He's too hot. To is touch. this the guy? That eventually was caught on tape, kind of saying, so "If I did, like OJ's book, yeah. if I did kill the Black Dahlia." Yeah, he said. So what if I did kill the Black Dahlia? Um, my my secretary can't corroborate. She's dead now. Well, guess how she died? Murder. A drug. A drug overdose. I'm using air quotes, everybody. A drug uh-huh. overdose. He was present at the time of her death. He was found by the police burning her belongings. Jesus Christ. Yet they did not arrest him. Now, when did this piece of shit die? This guy lived into the 80s. He was 91 years old when he died. It was the 80s. So so there's all this sort of circumstantial evidence around this guy, but the LAPD buries it. After the grand jury inquiry, they take these transcripts of his surveillance tapes away from the DA they shut out, they make them turn all the evidence back over, and they basically, they don't close it, because they can't close it, it's not solved. Sure. But they basically shove it to the, shove it away and say, we've done it. So, no, like, why did the transcripts and all this information become available in the 2000s? Has someone reopened the okay, case? Okay, let me tell you what happened. So, sometime in the 90s, like 93 or 4, 
This guy retires from the LAPD, decorated cop, mm-hmm. like totally above board, has one of the highest solve rates. He was, a, he was a homicide detective. He has one of the highest solve rates in the history of the LAPD. His name is Steve Hodell. Okay. He is George Hodell's son. I heard about this guy. Yes. Okay. So he, his, he, he retired. He believes his father killed the Black Dahlia. I, I think I believe it too. I mean, of the suspects <clears throat> you've given. There's a fourth suspect that you have to hear about who I would say it's, it's, it's a 60, 40 Kind of neck cut. and neck. Yeah. yeah. So Steve Hodell is going through his late father's belongings and he finds this picture no one is able to say that it is Elizabeth Short, but no one is able to say that it's not Elizabeth Short. So it's a woman cut in half and he's in front of the camera no. giving the thumbs up like, hey. It's a woman lying down. Now, they always show this picture with her with her face up, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure she's lying on her back. And that's why her features are a little bit skewed mm-hmm. and it doesn't look exactly like Elizabeth Short. But I've been looking at this picture and I think it's her. So he had to- We'll post in the episode descriptions, by the way, some of these pictures oh, too. Oh, yeah, because I, yeah, I can give you links to all these. Yeah, please do. So um, so he found two pictures, which he thought might be the Black Dahlia. Really, only one of them looks like it could mm-hmm. be. So this gives him a hunch. He's, and, and what, it's what, weird. Uh, sorry, what, is she dead in the pictures? Nope, it's just a woman in repose. Just, okay. I'm sorry, a woman in repose. And she's just kind of laying there just with her eyes shut, yeah. which was, again, a surrealist art right. sort of thing. Right. And so, um, okay, so he, he has this hunch, and he, he follows it because he's a good detective. Mm-hmm. He's very thorough. His, his people that he worked with before call him like a bulldog. Mm-hmm. He just goes after the evidence. He wants the truth. So this leads him to look at, like, uh, the circumstances of where his dad was and mm-hmm. what his dad was doing. And, you know, it all, I'm sorry, I'm like drawing a blank, but okay. anyways, um, so it all adds up to this, this initial book that he wrote called the black Dahlia Avenger, where he places his dad. First of all, they found out, um, when George, okay, I need to go back. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Mm-hmm. So when Steve Hodell goes in search of this information about his father when he's when he's investigating his father Mm -hmm. he doesn't know that his father is on the suspect list okay so he doesn't know so he had a hunch already he had a hunch when he found these pictures that's what's so weird it's kind (laughs) of like to me it's like it's like almost like the universe was like directing him towards yeah i mean to make first of all that he grew up to be an lapd like highly decorated homicide detective right if his father is one of these serial killers from, like, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to believe that he is. Well, now, what links George Hodel other than the letter to the Zodiac? Because I'll tell you, my biggest reservation about this guy potentially being the Zodiac mm-hmm. is that the Zodiac never mentions the Black Dahlia in any of his letters. And you would think that that kind of psychology would want people to know, oh, by the way, I got away with this brutal murder that everyone knows about. You'll never catch me, motherfuckers. Yeah. That was the kind of mentality he the had. taunting, yeah. That's, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, yeah. uh, uh, I honestly didn't go that far into to to what Steve Hodel is. Well, you know what? If you're listening is. to this episode and you want to uh, have us, you know, correspond with you or or mention you in in the next season as a as a postscript or something like that, and you know of some of the reasons that there might be a connection with this guy in the zodiac, please email us lucky ten thousand at gmail. We would love to hear about it. Yay. 
I think he's definitely time and place. Yeah. There was a there was a murder in Manila that involved dismembering women that occurred a half a block from where the guy was living because he eventually he fled L.A. I didn't get the best part yet. Okay, Doctor George Hodel fled L.A. for the Philippines in 1950. What? And then, of course, in the 60s, this Manila unsolved women dismembering thing happened. I mean, come okay. on. That makes so much sense because, and of course, also, it would be a pattern. By the way, the wife um, of George Hodel, Dorothy Hodel, um, I believe, and the daughter Tamar, who is the daughter he is later accused mm-hmm. of molested, knew that Elizabeth Short was one of his girlfriends also. Oh, wow. Steve Hodel maintains that his mother knew everything mm-hmm. and that she... T- kept her mouth shut to protect the, the son, sure. her sons, because the daughter was not her daughter. That was a, like a half daughter. Well, unless this fourth suspect actually has the mm-hmm. blood of the Black Dahlia on his fucking hands <laughs> and has a picture of himself holding her up with his arm around her, carving the <laughs> smile into her face, this has to be the guy, right? I think so. I mean, like, based on everything I've read, it's. It's just like, oh my gosh. And the things he said, the fact that he ki- he obviously killed his secretary. He yeah. obviously pays off the cops. It obviously, you know, and the fact that, that the word in the DA's office, there's a quote. No hurry. He died in 1999. He died in 19... 19- <laughs> say, say that one more time. He died in 1999, this guy. This guy. This guy. George O'Dell. So, what was I saying? Because I lost my train of thought. Uh, you were talking about... Uh, shit, I don't remember now either. It's bad to have two ADHD people talking to each other. What did he die of? Was it just natural causes? Yeah, he was old. He was an old, old man. You know, and like, um, um, there's a connection to the lip. Well, the lipstick murders, the red lipstick murders, occurred after the Jolly murders, and the police refused. I don't know about the lipstick murders. Connects them. Okay, well, that's another episode. (laughs) Um, but anyways, this guy. Oh, because you were asking people to to write in if they knew what was the connection. Oh, yes, yes. And I was saying time and place and then yes. murders in Manila. And Obviously, we have established yeah. that this oh. guy – go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no please. No, no, I don't you want you to lose your train of thought again. The, get, put your finger on it. Well, I mean, we're talking about how the Black Dahlia was an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. And in order to do the kind of thing that you would have to have done to her, you're probably a person who has who does this decently regularly. So in his timeline, you got the Black Dahlia, you've got this woman in Manila, you've got his secretary. That's a serial killer. Oh, yeah. And not to mention the the, the red lipstick murders were women who were found dead um, with written in red lipstick messages about the Black Dahlia on their torso. Shit. Instead of being cut. Never heard of that. So several of them were possibly copycat killers, but a couple of them we're probably George Hodel wow. again. So, what we have, we were going to talk about suspect number four. Yeah, who is suspect number four? Now, this guy, oh, this guy didn't become a suspect until after the grand jury inquiry because he kind of came out of the woodwork. Yeah. So, he's a newer suspect. His name is Leslie Dillon, but that may not be his real name. Okay. Yeah. So... Leslie Dillon, Leslie Dillon decides <laughs> he's living in Florida. It's October 1948. So this is now two and a half years. Mm-hmm. No, I can't do math. So it's, <laughs> it's like at least a year and a half after the Black Dahlia murder. He writes to the LAPD psychiatrist telling him basically 
I want to know what you think about um, the psychology of someone who could murder a woman like that. I've been reading about you in True Detective magazine, and I'm interested, you know, because I think I know somebody who fits this psychological profile. So this guy's calling Dr. His Dr. Um, De River, <laughs> or De River. I don't know. What do you think? So he's, he's calling this doctor. He says, oh, yeah. It's my friend, Jeff Connors. My friend, Jeff Connors killed the Black Dahlia. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> so, um, they wrote back and forth from Florida to LA, like, for a while. Uh-huh. And DeRiver, because he is a good doctor, starts to believe that this Jeff Connors person is not a real person. That this Dylan man is making things up. Right. So they decide to try to get him to come to LA. So they have a meeting. Now, Dylan is like, yes, yes, let's have a meeting because I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've got the killer for right. you. I'm sure I can help you solve this case. This Jeff Connors, yeah. you know, la la la. So, um, unless he was talking about Jeff Conway from Greece, <laughs> I could see him doing something like that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so this is now December, same year, 1948, December 1948. <laughs> they bring him to L.A. And they interview him. They just absolutely grill him. And he just sits there and takes it. And these, I'm going to read you a little bit of their interview because it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. DeRiver says, what do you think the killer did with the hair? He shaved off the private parts of the body of Elizabeth Short. Dylan, I think the killer such as he would probably have thrown the hair into a toilet and flushed it. Hmm. What do you think a killer such as he would do with a piece of flesh with the tattoo on it that he cut off of her thigh? Well, I think you would probably have thrown that down the toilet and flushed it as well. Yeah. Like, what? That's the weirdest? I mean... It's, it's not good. It doesn't put him in a positive light. Mm -mm. But what's the hard evidence? Because yeah. also there is an element of that, again, is someone just attention-seeking. Yeah. They want the police to go, ooh, this guy right. might be so a killer. While he's having these interviews, they're looking for Jeff Connors. Right. They're looking all over the land. They finally find Jeff Connors, except his real name is Artie something. Lang? The comedian? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> no. Um, Where is it? I, Artie Lane. Ooh. Artie Lane, L-A-N-E. <laughs> and so they they find a history of this Jeff Connors, who is really Artie Lane, who was a, um, like a cleanup man or mm -hmm. something on a Columbia Pictures movie lot, which is where Elizabeth Short liked to hang out. Oh. It was like a bar near there or something. Yeah. So this puts him in, this puts Artie Lane in the place, except that they start to think that Artie Lane is Leslie Dillon, and he's just the same guy over and over and over. And oh. they can't, because of the way IDs were back then, they can't yeah, like yeah, say, yeah. oh, you know, these are smooths because he's changing his name. Right. So they go and they press further. So he they invented himself as this Dillon guy to say, I know who the killer is. It's this Jeff Connors guy when it's actually Artie Lane. Who is him? He's just fucking with the cops. Yeah, or something Yes, yes, or he's legit, or he's legitimately like schizo, like he has a real problem, or he's confessing in the only way <laughs> he knows how. The only way he can do it. So right. So then the thing that was that helps his case is, um, or helps us think he did it, is that he had been a mortician's assistant. Mm -hmm. Like they finally started to find out some details about uh -huh. him, and he had worked, so he would know what to do. He talked about how to drain blood. Wow. He talked about these things. So they determined that the, the, the bisection was done with a scalpel, yeah. not a knife. 
you know, and so, like, I don't know why I just said that. But, well, it matters uh, because it's a surgical thing. It's a surgical thing. So, um, he would be familiar with those tools and familiar with, uh, but of course, still location. See, right. this is where everything starts to fall apart. There's a photograph of that, that George Hodel home on Franklin Avenue. Uh-huh. The bathroom, I'm not kidding, is floor to ceiling tile, white tile. And it's like this step up into this tile tub, like it's the Grecian thing. It would be so easy to yes, murder somebody absolutely. in their drain, all their blood, absolutely. and have it wash right absolutely. down the drain. So anyways, for me, this little fellow falls apart. Um but but the reason that he wasn't arrested because he he was taken into custody by detectives, they held him unlawfully, uh. and so he was off on a technicality. And then I think did he kill himself? No, that was somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else killed themselves again. Although as as fascinating as this guy is, it just seems like it's so circumstantial. Yep, it does. To me, out of everything you've said, mm-hmm. I gotta go with George. Because you've got now, did his son? But you've seen the pictures that his son found. Yeah. So that's at least some sort of hard evidence. You've got recordings of the guy saying some very fishy when those things. Recordings. Okay, I didn't tell you how the recording surfaced. That's where I got sidetracked earlier. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he writes this book, and he's interviewed by an L.A. Times or L.A. Weekly um, um, journalist uh-huh. who decides to go and do digging on his own. So he right. goes to the DA's office. He's like, "Do you guys have these files?" And they're like, oh, let's go check. And so they apparently, back in 1949, Mm -hmm. well, in 1950, by the time the inquiry was over and the LAPD was like, give us everything. Yeah. They had kept an original version of everything they gave to the LAPD. Okay. The transcripts were found by this journalist and added to the the man's book as more evidence against his father because these transcripts are shilling. Are. You did it, dude. You definitely yeah. did it. He says, I'm going to read you some. You want me to? Please. Okay. Let's listen to the chilling words of George Hodel. Um, so one night, <laughs> he, they, there was the sound of shovels hitting something hard uh-huh. and women and a woman screaming twice. And then in the transcript, it said it should be noticed, note, noted that the woman was not heard before that moment, before oh, wow. the screaming. So later the same day... Hodel was recorded talking to his confidant. Realize there was nothing I could do. I put a pillow over her head and cover her with a blanket. Get a taxi. Expired 1259. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they might have figured it out. Killed her. What? So that's some other woman altogether. I mean, it okay? can't not be <laughs> So then... That's not his secretary or anybody else. Right. That's just some other woman. All right. So then suppose... Then this is... This is the the one that seals the deal. And this is the one that made the head of detectives, the chief of detectives at the time in 2004 or five when this came out, say that the case was closed. Mm-hmm. Now, the LAPD won't close the case, mm-hmm. but the head of detectives is like, yes. The guy says, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. Yeah, I heard that one. Are you joking, guy? So, um, she... So what the, the fuck is going on here with the black dolly? They, they say he kills his secretary because she's about to blackmail him. Yeah. What do you think she's about to blackmail him about? Of course. Of course. How does this guy get out of molesting his daughter 
when three adult eyewitnesses are like, I had sex with the 13-year-old girl, That's too. why I don't, this is why I don't believe in God. <laughs> God does not exist because George Hodel does. Um, I agree. That's because fascinating. he had enough money Absolutely. to get out of it. Absolutely. That's why he's out of it. That's all so much more. You might be the most well-prepared person. No offense to anyone else that has been on this podcast so far. <laughs> but this is also something you've been passionate about for oh, years. Oh, yeah. And I just finally printed all these notes. Look, um, this nice person at UNC did a like senior project on the Black Dahlia. And his website is where I have uh, – is. It, it, I've read so many sources, uh-huh. but his website puts them all together into one. Oh, that's amazing. We will have to shout him out. What's yes. what's? I'll put a link to him in the episode description. Absolutely. Do you remember his name? I can't remember his name. I can probably get it right <laughs> here if I look it up. <laughs> but it's not hard. It's like Black Dahlia. So let me see his name. Blackdahlia.web.unc.edu. I found his website after I had read through, you know, oh, you read through everything. You read the Wikipedia, watch some YouTubes, like you said. And then I stumbled onto his website, which is super dense. Yeah. Super dense. It's great it's read. coming up. Just give it a minute. Or her. Maybe it's her. I'm really, I, I did not mean to misgender. Why? They. I'm such I will a just scumbag. say they. Morgan Korzik. Morgan Korzik. They K-O-R-Z-I-K. Did a, did a great job. We will give you an absolute shout out on this episode for this because this is phenomenal how much information you have. You so there was so much more detail than I thought there was going to be. And you know what else, guys? And this is a little disturbing because the images are so horrifying. Yes. In fact, maybe instead of just randomly posting pictures, I'll just post a link to where yeah. if you come across this episode and you want to see the pictures yourself. Hit the link, because if you're just browsing and you see some of this shit, it's going to be... It's horrible. It's nightmarish. And he has two disclaimers. You have to click through two disclaimers before you can see the real and photos. And that's that's honestly the smart thing to do, because you, know, you don't want someone to be traumatized. Oh, it's awful. I'm sure it is. It's awful. I've I mean, seen one picture of, like, the half of her face once she got to the morgue, and it's awful. And the... I don't know. It's just like... uh. And it's like stories like this fascinate us because not there's unsolved murders all over the world all the time that don't grab our fascination the way ones like this do. But she's such an archetype. She's such a stories that involve someone that had all this hope, Mm -hmm. all these dreams, all this naivete that that completely end in disaster. What was the girl in the 80s from My Sister Sam that was killed (gasps) by a stalker? Oh, my gosh. That's right. I forgot all about her. Oh, my God. Who was that? Uh, Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. I will find that out right now. Thank you, Google. And you know what else is sad about Elizabeth Short while you're looking that up? Mm -hmm. Um, She had... Okay, so her first fiancé had been deployed. Mm -hmm. Her second fiancé... Was killed in action. Like, she could not... Yeah. I mean, she just went downhill. Yeah. You know what I mean? After that, I don't know why I forgot to mention the it's second fiancé, but... Rebecca Schaefer, by the way. What's Rebecca her name? Rebecca Schaefer. Yeah. And there's... Uh, also, when you when you put together this sort of hopeful, youthful beauty and charm, and you just know, there's no way to know for sure. Because there are plenty of people out in California... Over the eons that – not eons, but over the decades that Hollywood has been has been the thing to be, mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands of 
attractive, hopeful, positive women whose lives have completely been destroyed by the dream of mm, being a famous yeah. actress. But there's something about not knowing what this person could have been that I think it it really captures people's imaginations. Thank you for bringing all that to the podcast. I've had a fucking blast recording with you. If anyone does want to get in touch with you, what would you like to tell them? Do you have a Twitter? Do you have an email? Oh, let me think now. Let's see. I have the Facebook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And um, I have the email also. So, yeah, you know, on Facebook, it's Tiffany Nave Stewart. And Nave is? N-A-V-E. Right. Not... Not, K-N-A-V. Yeah, not like the nave kind of, like the nave part of a church nave. Yeah. And then my- Evan Backwards, by the way. It, it is Evan Backward. Mm-hmm. I was going to change my name to Tiffany Evan, like you if I got famous. So. And then my email address is Tiffany La, which is L-E, Spiffany. Tiffany La Spiffany. <laughs> That's adorable. At gmail.com. Do you know it's more complicated than I thought it would be? It is hard to tell people on the phone. What Tiffany Epiphany? Yeah. Yeah, they're just like, what is your name? What Tiffany Epiphany? What? What was it? What was it? <laughs> Tiffany La Spiffany. Like Spiff. And I should just change it. I should make it Tiff Spiff or something. It's a nickname from my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a phenomenal uh, 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 records that you brought. Uh, I'm endlessly fascinated. And <laughs> dude, that George Hodel had to have been him. I'm going to get the book. I mean, like I've read enough now because guess what I have in here that you've just really got to read hmm. are the two. There's an article from the LA Times and an article from The Guardian about Steve Hodel when it first started to gain some ground. Wow. And the articles say so much. Oh, I got to check it you out. got to check them That's out. That's fascinating. And, you know, looking at his face, I can kind of see him being the Zodiac, too. I don't know if I buy it. You should he see looks, the composite. He looks kind of like, oh, I've seen the Zodiac composites, trust me. He looks a little bit like Don Knotts, like a psychotic <laughs> Don Knotts. <laughs> but Andy, I want to cut her in half. It's like Don Knotts mixed with Walt Disney. A little bit, yeah. Totally does. Both apparently oh, psychotic God. guys, I oh, heard. God. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know if Don Knotts was psychotic. Don Knotts was a nice I, All I know about Disney was he wasn't a fan of the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, God. if you want to get in touch with us, again, lucky10,000 at Gmail. Thank you once again, Tiffany, you for doing so this. Welcome. I had a blast recording with you. If you give us a five-star review and sit your iTunes, we will read it on the air. And guess what? I don't have any to read because there's only like one review on Stitcher and it's me. So, um, but please do that for us. We'll definitely give you some credit. And uh, I think that's everything. I've had a blast doing this. I hope you guys are enjoying this season. And I hope you got lucky tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your host, Evan. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.